Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In today's episode, you will meet Jenna Jackson, founder and CEO of PR Creative Group. Jenna tells how she took 20 plus years in TV production and built her company with a focus on telling great stories. Jenna, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time to join uh, the show and look forward to hearing more about your story. So uh, let's get started. Great. Tell us a little bit about PNR Creative and what it's known for. So we really, our expertise is telling great stories, whether it's for a company, a nonprofit, in a documentary, in a television series. You know, my history is in video production and producing, television producing. So I've been telling interesting stories, crime stories originally, but interesting stories for a long time. And, you know, that's really what I'm passionate about. My brother runs the company with me. So So he and I are very focused on that. It is. Yep. I named it after my twin boys, Parker and Reese. And yeah, my brother runs our Austin office and he runs most of like the video production side of things. And then I run more of the creative marketing, PR, social media side of things. Okay. So... And this may be part of you telling a little more about your background, but what inspired you to start the company? So I was, so I went to college at Sam Houston in Huntsville and I started, I had to work to pay my way through school. And I started working as a prison reporter in Huntsville, (laughs) prison capital of the world for the local newspaper, covering executions, you know, visiting death row once a week. I was 20. I'm sure your parents love that. They were really hoping it was a phase. (laughs) They were like, please don't be a journalist and please, God, don't focus on crime. But I disappointed them in that way. (laughs) So I, while I was at school at Sam, I met Dan Rather, who's also a Sam Houston alumni. Turns out he played high school football here in Houston in the Heights, Reagan High School with my grandpa. Oh, wow. I didn't know that at the time. But once he kind of made that connection, he took me under his wing and has been a mentor my whole life. He's really cool. So he got me to CBS in New York, entry level, you know, getting people coffee, just kind of starting right after college, which was huge for a 21-year-old from East Texas, poor kid, you know, (laughs) it was big. So that kind of started my career. I had a 15-year career producing for CBS in New York. Covered all kinds of stories all over the country and the world. It was really cool. And then I left in 2012. I helped Katie Couric launch a show at ABC. Okay. And then when my boss there left to take over CNN, I, I decided, you know what? I want to be able to pick the stories that I tell. So I started a video production company based in Texas. I was living back in Houston at the time already. And then that's just kind of morphed, you know, as our clients have needed more avenues to tell their story, it's morphed into a full creative agency. It just kind of made sense. So it evolved over the years. And now we do social media, marketing, PR, tons of video production still, but, you know, just kind of that full 
whatever your best avenue to connect with your audience is and build your business, which is so perfect for the <laughs> show. Right. That's you know, that's what we try to help our clients with. That's great. So you mentioned the Austin office. So two offices, Houston and Austin? Yes. Yeah. And roughly how many employees? We have about a dozen full time employees and then we've got dozens of contractors. Okay. You know, we do a lot of video projects and or sort of per project kind of work. So we have a lot of guys who work with us only, but then, you know, we have a lot too who do films and television series and they work with us kind of intermittently. So, okay. So as you built the company, what are some of the things that you think um, you've done to kind of improve the hiring process to make sure you're bringing the right people on the team? Yeah. I feel like making sure the team works together well and has that good culture, you know, and trusts each other and we can trust them with our clients is really important. So We've definitely made some mistakes over the years. We've gotten better. I've gotten better at just trusting my instincts. Yeah. If I don't feel good about somebody, I just don't bring them on, you know? The other thing I think that I've learned over the years is just to be really clear about where the company's going and what sort of we expect as leadership. And then, you know, also listening a lot so that people can feel like they they can talk frankly to me and tell me where they want to go with their careers and you know, what kind of work they want to be doing. We've got a lot of variety at our team. Yeah. So, you know, some people only want to do documentaries. That's great. I need to know that up front because we may not be doing a documentary this year, you right. know, but I also want their passion to grow. I think it's important to have happy, fulfilled team members. Sure. They do a better job. So just like that communication piece, I think is really important. I think, you know, two things you said there. One, having that gut when you, or interviewing someone. I think yeah. so many times we see what's on paper, we think they fit the job. And so we excuse away or mm-hmm. uh, want to try to convince ourselves that yeah, this could work. And I think so many times that initial reaction is, yeah, keep looking. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, you don't feel like they're going to be a good fit. You know, I've just learned over the years, it's always <clears throat> correct. Yeah. You know, and then I think setting the second thing, setting the clear expectations of, where the company is and where it's going and how they may fit into that or not, you know? Right. And I say this here at our firm, we're not trying to be the biggest law firm in the world. We're trying to be the best. Right. And if you don't connect with our mission, it's okay. It's a better organization for you. It's just not this one. Right. Exactly. It seems like that's probably true for you. Small, creative, you know, company, not, but you just need the right people. Yeah. We're very boutique, you know, but we pride ourselves on, You know, every project we do, we make it fun and enjoyable for the client. Like, this shouldn't be terrible. You know, it shouldn't be awful to go shoot a video. It should be really fun, right, to tell your story. And if we're not doing that in the right way, and if there's any drama our team brings, we're not doing our job. So, you know, that there's kind of a no tolerance from my point of view on on that sort of thing. It's like... You know, we've got to be very concierge. We're boutique. Yeah, we're not trying to be the biggest. I want to make sure as we grow, our quality stays the same, you know, and our reputation stays the same. And, you know, I mean, you run a business, it's it can change so fast. So And certainly the last two years, right? Yeah. I mean, there have been so many additional struggles that every business owner has been through, I think. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. So in the last two years, what have you had to change in the way you've run the company, whether that's from hiring, day-to-day operations, what's that look like for you? 
I mean, I think probably just like every business, you know, we really had to take a hard look at efficiencies and just make sure there's no overspending, you know, at sort of every dollar counts. I mean, when COVID hit, video production stopped, right? right? Every Everything did. Even like Paramount wasn't filming anymore, you know, so... <laughs> up to the largest filming studios in California, you know, there was nothing happening, right? Right. So we had to morph. We had to add, expand some capabilities that we had sort of already been doing, but not officially. You know, the social media stuff became more important. Digital advertising became more important. You know, for me, my number one goal was to keep paying our people. Sure. I mean, and as a small company, that wasn't easy, you right. know, so... Just trying to figure out, okay, let's get creative and what kind of work can we be doing right now to keep everyone working and, you know, happy. And then we, I mean, I think it kind of was a gift for us because we really did evolve and grow, but it wasn't easy, you know. Did you keep your team together? We did, yeah. Did you find that going through that together brought y'all closer and improved the culture? For sure. For sure. Because I think we all we're very grateful, you know, that was a huge blessing that we were able to do that and everybody keep working in some capacity. And so I think, you know, I think we had really loyal customers during that time, but we also had really loyal teammates and employees yeah. because, you know, they probably could have gone somewhere else and made more money during kind of the, that downturn and they stuck with us and it's definitely, you know, it's paid off. So, yeah. That's great. Did, you know, now we're in a world where there's hybrid work, you know, work, work from home, you know, ushered in mm-hmm. overnight in March, April, 2020. Were you already in somewhat of a hybrid mode before that? Yeah, we were. I mean, you know, especially when we were solely video production, we do everything on location. The only thing that our offices are for are, you know, meetings or editing So we really just, we closed down our Austin office for about a year during COVID because we didn't need it. Everyone, we moved all the edit equipment to our editor's homes so that they could, you know, edit remotely. We've reopened because we did learn that it's easier to be a little more organized and stay on deadline if you've got some kind of combo, you know. Sure. But I mean, our, you know, our filmmakers and our social media experts and they're sort of all over the place as it is, you know, we have graphic designers all over the country that we work with. So it was always a little bit of a hybrid. Right. So you're kind of ready for it in some ways. In some ways we were, it was really just the, you know, the on location stuff that completely came to a halt that made it tough. But so you started the company, I think 2012. Yes. Yep. And so I guess coming on a 10-year anniversary. Yep. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary in January of this year. It's crazy to me. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I feel like it's a big deal just to even get there. Of course it is. So let's, you know, thinking about those first 10 years, is there a setback or failure you encountered along the way that when you look back now, you're like, you know, wow, that made us better. This is what I learned from it and it made us better in the long run. Anything you could share along those lines? Yeah. I mean, I think there are probably several, you know, one thing that took me a while to get good at was the business side of the business. I'm a journalist, so (laughs) I never took a business class. You know, I took all of my math classes in the summer to make them as quick and easy (laughs) as possible. You know, I just, it's not my gift. And I've had to really try to learn from other great business people 
how to run a business properly. And I've definitely made mistakes along the way. You know, initially we hired everyone on salary and I'm like, okay, this is not the business model for us. We really, contractors are a better business model because we have a lot of per project things going on, you know, and that gives them freedom also. So like some of that side was definitely a learning curve. You know, I would say after doing television in New York for 15 years, I thought it'd be a whole lot easier to go out and like sell television series and documentaries. I was like, ah, I can do this in my sleep. You know, it's not easy. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a saturated market on that side of things, you know, so it's been harder than we thought to pitch good content and keep it authentic to what we wanted it to be, which was really important to me. So, you know, we've, we do that for our clients as well, but like the couple of documentaries that we've produced, you know, we ended up doing them on our own and then selling them because I really wanted them to be real. I want them to be, which sounds dumb, right? Documentaries are real. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, not when Hollywood kind of gets their hands into yeah, it. Get so, a little behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're like, oh, let's make it more like this. I'm like, but that's not what happened, you know? And so to me as a journalist, it was really important for me to to make sure it was authentic and real and we did justice to the stories and the characters. And so that's been a learning curve for sure, you know. So there have been a lot of those things along the way. Right. Almost every day it seems like yeah. something, right? Oh, every day. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like, what have you learned? I'm like, oh, I'm still learning. <laughs> every day. Well, you know, speaking of, I guess, some of the documentaries or things, what are some of your, I guess, most popular that you've produced yeah. in the last 10 years at maybe some listeners would know about? Yeah. I mean, our most recent was, it was a special two-part 48 hours on CBS News. I was actually, it was my first uh, foray into being on camera, which I don't love. Okay. (laughs) I'm usually behind the scenes. I much prefer that. But this just kind of happened organically. I've been covering this case, a woman who has multiple cases She's been accused of multiple cases over the years, five different murders. She's a criminal defense attorney. She lives here in Houston. She's never been charged with any of them. So it's a pretty crazy tale. Yeah, it's still ongoing. So that two-part series was on 48 Hours in May, I think. And it was called Chasing Catherine Shelton. It was pretty intriguing. And I worked for 48 hours for 15 years, right? So it was fun to go back and work with my old team and in a different capacity. And then, you know, our other two documentaries that have sort of been out there and done pretty well, one is about a woman who was wrongfully convicted of killing her child in Corpus years ago. Amazing woman. She's since been released from prison. We got to follow her whole journey, which was pretty cool. It's called Until Proven Innocent. And then the other one is totally different. It's about my hometown, Jacksonville, a mayor's race where, you know, there were three very different candidates running for mayor of a very small conservative town, and it was pretty hilarious and interesting, and it's called Tomato Republic, so. Okay. Anyway. Very good. We've had fun. Yeah, we've told a variety of stories, but, you know, it's been really fun. So, you know, just kind of going back on the, you know, back to the business, we were talking about the hiring process. I want to talk about the flip side of that, and that's on the firing process. The thing (laughs) You know, your experience when you're dealing with employees that you've had to get rid of that for any or a number of reasons, I'm yeah. sure, anything you can share about the kind of lessons learned from what was difficult about that and what you're doing different as a result of that? Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning coming in here. And, you know, I remember one in particular. Thankfully, I haven't had to fire a lot of people, but I've had a handful and it's never fun. Right. And right. I'm always the one who has to come do it. 
Right. <laughs> my brother is exceptionally nice and he will not do it. He'll be like, I had a very serious conversation with them. I think they get it. And I'm like, they don't get it. Yeah, they got to go. So, you know, I think it, I think what I've learned from those is again, it goes back to communication because I think in most of the instances where I've had to fire people, maybe the expectations weren't as clear on our side as they should have been, you know? Okay. And that's on us, too. I mean, were they doing what they were supposed to, working hard enough, meeting deadlines? No. But, you know, was I sort of assuming that they knew what I wanted them to accomplish? I think I was. And so I've learned don't do that. You know, right. just be real clear and upfront. And, you know, the first time if someone misses a deadline, say, I call them and I'm like, hi, you know, what happened? okay, maybe you didn't give yourself enough time. So next time you need to estimate it out better, but we can't manage expectations with clients if my team's missing deadlines, right? So, I mean, we all deal with that. So I think, you know, just being really clear up front, but then along the way at every touch point, you know, and if something doesn't seem to be working to really stay on it and be vigilant. So that kind of leads into you as a leader, so let's talk about that. Yeah. How do you try to show up as a leader when you're, you know, every day for your team? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest way I try to show up is just by working as hard or harder as they do, okay. you know, so that they see I'm in the trenches with them. I try to keep, you know, we try to keep a lot of transparency about what's going on. Like everyone can see my calendar, you know, you can see where I am. I'm a working mom. I have two 15-year-olds, and they're a huge priority, right? Of so I'm also not going to miss a basketball game <laughs> if I can help it, you know. But I'm very transparent about that. You know, if I leave early to go do something with my boys, I'm back on my laptop later that evening. I'm sure you know. You Absolutely. know, you're a parent. I mean, it's yeah. all about balance, right? And so I just try to be really transparent about that kind of stuff with my team and I think they know how hard I work. They may not always agree with every decision, but they know I'm working and right. I'm trying to move the company forward. I'm not just expecting them to do it. You know, I think that's so important that one, uh, that the people that work for you or with you know that there's nothing you won't do. Exactly. Like, and you're certainly willing to do everything you've asked them to do. Right. And they need to see that, not just hear you say it, but right. they see exactly. that in action. I think it's so important. Yeah. And I do agree in, to, in today's time. I think it's... I think it's valuable for people to know I'm, yeah, I am leaving to see a kid's performance of yep. something, <laughs> but they know they, they can rely on you to be back engaged after that's over. Exactly. Uh, and they, yeah, I'm not so sure. I was just, I was reading a book recently. They talk about, you know, back, we, the word work life balance. There's no such no thing. No such thing. Yeah. I, I mean, if you figured it out, let me know. And I think that's, I you know, the authors of this book kind of said that. I mean, this is made it in to the vocabulary and it's just not true doesn't mean it's bad but let's be honest about it it's just kind of juggling and finding what works for you everyone's is a little different yeah and Uh, some weeks are crazier than others you know like we had a basketball tournament four days in fort worth last week i was i had my laptop there in between games but i didn't get as much work done as i usually do you know you just it's seasons i think and it's juggling but Like, I try really hard, too, to just be honest about the fact that the balance is hard because I have my right-hand person just went on maternity leave. She's much younger than me, obviously. (laughs) But she's got a one-year-old and a brand-new baby. It's going to be hard for her, and she wants to work, you know, and she's a hard worker. And it's like, 
you can't guilt yourself as a mom, as a parent, you know, you just got to keep moving, but it's not always easy. I mean, but you know, you just, so I think that too adds to the culture of a good workplace. You know, everyone has priorities, whether it's your kids or your dogs or your yoga, because that makes you feel better and work harder and get more done and whatever it is, your health, your, you know, your husband, I mean, it doesn't matter. I think it's important to know, yeah, there are times when you're going to have to buckle down and work till 10 o'clock at night because we've got to get this project out. But then there are other times when I really don't want you to miss that kid game, you know? So it's just, you know, a constant balance. And I think that's where the communication comes in. Clear, direct, transparent. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I'm happy for you to leave early and do this, but I do expect this to get done by tomorrow. So you got to figure that out. Figure it out. So any mentors, you mentioned Dan Rather, obviously. I mean, yeah, he's that amazing. coolest mentor probably ever, but yeah. or at least one of them, but who doesn't know that name. But so that's obviously on, on one side of the profession, mm-hmm. the creative side, uh, but on the business side, leadership side, any mentors along the way that you've drawn from to kind of you know, create your own style? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like I've been lucky in that a lot of people have kind of taken an interest and helped me along the way, you know, a a good friend of mine, John Wines-Earl, he's a very successful businessman in town and he he was an investor for us for a while, but we are good friends and I've learned so much from him on the business side, you know, I mean, Matt Bryce, the owner of Federal Grill, he's one, they're one of our clients, but his visionary, you know, aspect and how hard he works. I mean, I'm learning from him now, you know, it's really cool. Like we get to do all of his marketing and stuff, but I also get the bonus of learning from this incredible businessman who's, you know, worked really hard, worked his way up and is very successful now. So yeah, I feel like I learn every day. There have been lots of mentors. I think that, well, one, you know, Matt's been very successful with his concepts and they continue to grow and, uh, but I think what you just said is so true. You kind of learn if you're observant enough as you go through the day, you're going to learn from yeah. all kinds of people. For sure. Uh, and I think it's just being aware of that and appreciating there's something to learn from everybody. Yeah. I mean, I learn from my kids every day. I learn from these young, you know, people who work for me and do all of our social media because that I'm 47. That's clearly <laughs> not my, that's not how I grew up. For the know? record, I did not ask you. <laughs> it's okay. I don't care. <laughs> You're not in trouble. <laughs> no, I learn. I feel like I learn every day for sure. So, you know, when you think about what y'all are doing is, are there things that you describe as innovative for your industry or maybe for uh, a company your size? I think, you know, I mean, this is obviously my go-to, but I think how we incorporate video and sort of digital advertising into storytelling is pretty innovative. Now, I do think people are doing it, but, you know, as a television producer for 20 years now plus, you know, I, video is what is my go-to, right? So I feel like if you can't sit in front of somebody like we're doing right now, video is your next best bet, your next best tool. Okay. And I think, you know, it shows that in the numbers and the analytics, when you share, you know, video snippets on social media, people connect more, they see it more, they share it more, you know? So I think that's, you know, a thing that we really try to do and we do it well. You know, we're also just trying to constantly evolve. One of our big areas right now, which 
might seem weird given my background, you know, is ESG for oil and gas companies and energy companies. Mm -hmm. It's the environmental social governance. It's a huge initiative for the last year. And everyone's expected to do it. But really what it comes down to, there's lots of data points and, you know, expertise and constant evolution of what everyone expects. But really what it comes down to is telling your story in the best way possible. Right. Right. So you may not do the environmental quite so well, but you're working on it. As long as you tell that story and you're transparent about where you are and you show progress, it benefits your, you know, your shareholders, your company. I mean, I think public companies are for sure expected to do it in this day and age, but even, you know, privately invested, privately held companies are having to kind of go that direction. So, you know, some of that's been, it's been interesting for us to just kind of evolve into some of that. I can see where that's the case because a lot of these companies have never had to, quote, tell their story before, right? Certainly not in that way. And they're really good businessmen, right? But they're uh, business people. But they're focused on operations and making money, which they should be. Right. But, you know, sometimes I think they don't even realize how well they're doing certain things. You know, like we've done a lot of work for Quanta Services, an awesome company here in Houston. and. Another mentor, Duke Austin, their CEO, he's a friend of mine and he's, I've learned so much about business from him. You know, they, we started their ESG initiative a few years ago and it's really benefited their stock price, you know, their customers. It's been great for them. And they, I don't think really knew how well they were doing so many things. They knew they were successful, sure. you know. But they, their culture is amazing. And so to talk about that was incredible. They have tons of environmental initiatives, which you don't think about when you're thinking, you know, they're an electrical construction company. Right. So it's just interesting. I think when, you know, everyone has an incredible story, right? Company, person, whatever. It's just about digging into it and getting to know them and telling their unique story in whatever way is the best for them. Okay. So that's the fun part, you know. So anything, you know, you're kind of on the front lines and spent your whole career there. So as you look at how things have changed and the delivery of television and media services yeah. and the proliferation of social media and digital marketing, right, in the right. last two years, where do you see that going? What's your kind of prediction as things evolve? And- I mean, it's evolved so fast. If you think about when I started in news, you know, there were three networks and everyone watched the evening news every night at 530 or whatever, yeah. you know, it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, the networks are sort of dying and there are a million new networks and streaming platforms. And, you know, like you mentioned, I think the probably the best way and the fastest way to get information out these days is social media, digital marketing. The fact that we can target where you've been from your phone is a little creepy. Right. But, you know, we can then pop an ad up on your screen. I mean, it's nuts, right? Text marketing, email marketing. I think that kind of thing is going to keep going. I do think, you know, things like what you guys are doing here, building communities I think that is where the future is going because while I think social media and, you know, digital marketing are key to that, I think it's going to be more about connection points for people. If they feel like they belong to a community, they're going to be loyal. They're going to look at it. There's so much noise now. I think people are starting to get rid of some of the noise. And so I think, you know, the community building and the storytelling in an authentic way is going to be what keeps people focused on 
certain platforms. That makes a lot of sense to me because I think fundamentally, I believe as humans, we want to connect and be in community. For sure. Right? Now, it may be the traditional ways of that are changing, right? And, right. And, and so and I think you mentioned kids. We, we both have 15-year-olds. Yep. They live in a kind of digital world, they right? Do. That's yeah. how they connect and they still get together. But I think about, you know, you know, my 15-year-old daughter knows kids from all over Houston where you would just traditionally, the way we grew up, you knew people in your neighborhood. Right. Or whatever. Now yeah, like, just oh. in your school, you know, but... And it's that community expanded, but it's because of the digital presence, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's cool. Like, I worry about my kids growing up with all this social media because there's definitely a very big potential downside, you know, and dangers that you have to watch out for. But there's also such upside, and that's one of them. I mean, I'm sure our kids know each other, even though we just met, right? Right. (laughs) So, because they have multiple friends at multiple schools, and, you know, they probably are on chat chat groups together or social media or whatever, I mean, that's a bonus to be able to expand your network. And I think if you can do it in a real way and, you know, stay authentic, I mean, exactly like what you're doing here, you know, bringing business owners together to talk through issues that I know we've all had and we've all connected with, you know, I think that's what builds a real community and, and is actually a real benefit to all the social media that's out there. So it's kind of exciting to see. It really is. I mean, I think, you know, as you said earlier, it's changing. Quickly, yeah. <laughs> Very quickly, yeah. Uh, so, you know, one or two things that you might share with an inspiring entrepreneur about, you know, if you're thinking about starting your own company, here are two things you need to think of or to yeah. do or not do or watch out for. Any kind of, you know takeaways that you might be able to share? Sure. I mean, I would say just know going in, it's really hard work. It's very worth it, I think, because you do have flexibility and freedom, you know, and you can see something grow, which is really cool. You know, surround yourself with smart people because, and loyal people, have mentors, get, you know, the business background, no matter what your, no matter what kind of business you're opening, you know, I really, I can do television production in my sleep, right? And that's how our company started. So I was like, this is going to be easy. It's fine. Right. Yeah, it's not easy. No, you know, I mean, it's just you have to have some business sense and know some business philosophies and sort of how some of that works. And so I think don't underestimate that. And it doesn't mean you had to go to business school. I didn't. But, you know, I probably learned it the hard way. So I would just say, like, maybe study up a little, right. take a class or talk to people. That's I mean, my biggest thing, we talked about it a little bit, but it's like, you know, just have mentors. When you meet people who are amazing, successful humans, ask them questions, man, you know, find out they love talking about it, right? Everyone likes telling their story. Everyone likes talking about how hard they work to get to the place where they're at. Right. And most of them are still working hard. Most did it because they're pursuing a passion. Exactly. And Uh, they like talking about their passion, right? So It's funny you say that. People like telling their stories and their passion. That was the genesis for this podcast yeah. is to let people, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners come and do just that because there's so much that one, they're interesting. Yeah. They're unique and they're inspiring. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that you guys are doing this. It's really cool. I'm excited to to get to be a guest. Well, uh, you've been a great one so far. So we're going to wrap things up now and talk a little more personal about you. Yep. You're from Jacksonville, Texas. Yeah. Small East Texas town. Yep. So... This ought to be, actually, I think it'll be, I think I know what your answer may be, but 
Tex-Mex or barbecue? What's your preference? I'm a Tex-Mex girl. I was born in Laredo, and so I spent oh, every summer in Laredo. That's yeah. a curveball. So that was a curveball. That. that was a little I was, tricky. <laughs> I was pegging you for barbecue being from East Texas. I know. Well, I think I kind of got overfed barbecue okay. <laughs> as a kid, so <laughs> I love some good Tex-Mex. I like barbecue, too, but... Yeah. All right, so Tex-Mex. Yeah. So you mentioned being the prison reporter, but was that your first job, or do you have a, a, some type of job before that? Well... In high school, I worked. So I worked at a bank for a while. I taught dance for many years. I worked at Pizza Hut briefly, <laughs> thankfully. Three. Yeah, but I kind of did everything. You know, I grew up, we grew up really poor. My parents were really young. So I did everything. And then in college, I had like three jobs. So I think there's was, a lot of learning and, you know, working and learning the value of hard work. Yes. And, so many of my guests, you know, similar stories, right? They worked and from a young age and yeah, kept going. Yeah, I mean, work ethic is everything. I'm trying to teach that to my boys right now. They start their busboy jobs at Federal this week. I'm very excited. A- another bonus to knowing. Another bonus to knowing the amazing Matt Price. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you could take a sabbatical for 30 days, where would you go? What would you do? I would probably go to Italy. It's one of my favorite places where I met my husband But, you know, I think it would be less about, I think I would probably just try to spend more time with my kids, knowing I only have them at home for three more years. It's going really fast, you know? So I I don't know. If we could all escape, I think I would take them to Italy for 30 days and just travel around and go to the Amalfi Coast and go to Capri, which I've never been to, you know? Sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Jenna, thanks for being on the show. You were a wonderful guest to have, and your stories are amazing. I'm sure you could tell many we could be on the air for hours. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. All right. Take care. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.